Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. A friend of mine is struggling with what's known as long COVID, which are really the after effects of your body after you've had COVID. Now, her heart problems are severe enough that she's really concerned for her life, as is her husband. Her husband's a great man, but as he said the other day, their children need their mother. That statement really hit the nail on the head to me. Children need a father and a mother to receive the proper balance that God wants us to have of love and nurturing and training and encouragement. Natural marriage is part of the very fabric of every free society and its existence since the beginning of mankind. It is not the role of our political institutions or our politicians to change what is proper in society, and yet they are. We know that children's best interests are to be raised in a home with a married father and mother. We can just look at all the chaos that's taking place in our country today and say, what's the cause of it? It goes back to the family, the family that is not living according to God's standards. In late July, Congress passed a bill which changes the nuclear family to be basically whatever anybody wants it to be. And our Congressman Don Bacon voted in favor of it. Actually, the Supreme Court of the United States made that change in 2015 with the Obergefell ruling that said same-sex marriage is legal. But now the politicians have solidified it in case the Supreme Court were to overchange it. I'm Debbie Blank. I am so grieved at the direction of our country in so many ways, how offensive we are to God and how the decisions that are being made by our elected officials, the people we put in power are affecting our families and our children, which is why we're discussing this topic today. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. U.S. Representative Maya Flores from Texas has only been a member of Congress since the end of June. But she's already making her mark with her strong values and common sense approach. After flipping a very blue seat red in a special election, she recently made this observation about Congress. Nothing in Congress is as it appears to be, especially how bills are named. The bill we're talking about today is a perfect example. It's called the Respect for Marriage Act. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But what passed on a flash vote in Congress could more accurately be called the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Because if the Senate follows suit, the result will be that marriage can be completely redefined as any combination of things, and Americans would live in a country where the most liberal and bizarre definitions of marriage would have to be recognized in the entire nation. Jackie, you mentioned the names of some of our bills. Congress also just approved the Right to Contraception Act, which sounds wonderful. I mean, most people agree that contraception is acceptable. So they look at that and think it's great. But what this does is it facilitates abortions by other means than just physical abortions by a doctor. And so it's using contraception as a backdoor to force abortions, even though these states may not decide to have abortions or they may limit them. So just because a bill is named a certain thing doesn't mean that that's what it actually means how quickly our country has changed. 
You know, I grew up in a time when everyone attended church. They respected each other and were polite. And even if they disagreed, they disagreed politely. And when they did, they didn't allow inappropriate things to be seen or discussed. You think of Lucy and Desi on I Love Lucy, where they had to have separate beds because having one bed would have been appropriate. Or you think of Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show, where they had to hide his pelvis so that people wouldn't see him gyrating with his moves. It's all changed now. We've taken God out of our institutions. So people just began doing what seemed right in their own eyes. What was considered sin in our country for hundreds of years in our institutions, now they're appropriate. They think it's okay for a civilized society to change their morals and be acceptable. So we've gone from, as we talk about from Isaiah 5, instead of calling good, good, we're calling good, evil, and evil, good. Even with these changes, people know that the marriage institution is important. They may not be living by it, but they fundamentally know. In 1996, President Clinton signed the DOMA law into effect that Congress had instituted, stating the marriage was between one man and one woman. At that time, only 27% of the country believed it was acceptable for gays to marry. What changed? A lot of it changed was the discussion and the acceptance and the emotions that go along with it because now 70% of Americans believe and support gay marriages. So it's not surprising that towards the end of July, our House of Representatives passed this bill codifying the definition of marriage into law. And you think, well, why do they have to do that? Because we have this Supreme Court decision, Obergefell, which did that very thing. And the reason they had to do it is because Clarence Thomas, one of the Supreme Court justices, has made a public statement that it's time for them to relook at this marriage law. And so I think Congress is getting a little concerned that the Supreme Court might look at that and overturn that. In addition, Congress has made it very clear they want the Republicans on record for supporting this or not supporting it because of the midterm elections that are coming up. You see, the Republican platform says that marriage is between one man and one woman. The Republicans have always supported that. And yet we have 47 congressmen, including our representative, who voted in favor of gay marriage in the Congress just last week. And what I understand is that all they need in the Senate are 10 Republican senators who will vote for this bill and it will be brought up on the floor. While these senators were aghast at the Obergefell decision seven years ago, they're now changing their minds. Even Joni Ernst from Iowa is waffling on the issue, and they think she might support it. We've heard nothing from Senator Sass and Senator Fisher in Nebraska as to what their views or how they will vote on this. So it's very disheartening that our government officials continue to kick the ball down the road, you might say, by changing things that are part of our institution in this United States and go against God's law. I think back to 2015, as you brought up Obergefell and that decision, when people were campaigning for that issue, you would have people that were gay, that had loved ones or someone that they had wanted to marry and couldn't marry, complain about how tragic it was to have, say, a loved one in the hospital. And their family could keep you out of the emergency room or could keep you out of their hospital room or keep you away from something in a will certain legal things. 
you know, you could empathize with that and think, well, you know, if this is a very special person to you, people's hearts really went out to that situation. And you could say, well, you know, maybe that isn't right. Maybe there should be something. Maybe you can do something legally short of marriage. But that was kind of what got the ball rolling where people decided, well, perhaps this is something that they would look at or relook at. Look at everything that's happened since 2015. It's not just two people that loved each other that wanted to be together. It's now turned into things like transgender situations with young children and drag queen story times and kids participating in drag queen strip shows. I mean, things that you would have never, ever imagined in a million years that have kind of rolled out of all of this. I think what people are concerned about now is what does this mean to codify federal law that this DOMA that people voted on in 1996 and that Bill Clinton signed and everybody was for is going to be gutted. It was already somewhat gutted, but now it's going to be overturned. It says so in the language of the bill. You talk about the emotional aspect of this, and we can't help but feel bad for people who have to go through situations that don't seem right. But the problem is we're letting our emotions bring us to an affirmation of something that isn't appropriate. Just because our hearts break for situations that you mentioned doesn't mean we have to accept sin. Doesn't mean we need to affirm how they got to that position. Because we tend to think that in order to express love for someone, we have to affirm their choices that they've made. But that is not accurate. We need to stand on the truth of God's word, love the people, and certainly empathize with their situation, but not change our laws to go along with abominations or debauchery that God says is sin in the word of God. And you talk about changes, and that's very disheartening. The idea that now people of the same sex can marry each other brought us into all these other abominations that are destroying our children. As you said, you have drag queens reading to our kids in schools and in libraries and sometimes reading books about how great it is to be a transgender. We have transgender and homosexual educations in our public schools as early as kindergarten. Kindergartners don't understand why are they being manipulated We have schools promoting clothing closets where kids can go in and pick out clothes that they want to wear during school that identifies with who they identify with. Parents never know about that unless somebody happens to tell them. People are being fired or sued because they're not using the correct pronouns that people want to be identified as. When I see a biological female, I'm going to call her a she or her. How do I know that she wants to be called something else? I understand at one of our high schools in Omaha, we've got somebody that believes he's a dog. And so he wants to be treated by others as a dog with a collar and a leash that somebody needs to walk him around to the classes every day. And he needs to be identified as a dog. As we all know, we have men competing in women athletics, which is not appropriate for the women. They don't have a chance against the biological males. And the bathroom issue has been around for a long time. We not only have men going into women's bathrooms, but sometimes they're assaulting little girls. So this has fallen down a slippery slope that is much larger than we can understand. Not only that, but it's going to continue. I think how much worse can it get? But it can. 
Uh, certainly, businesses will not be allowed to discriminate against any kind of sexual disorientation, even if you're a Christian business and you don't agree with that kind of thing. We've seen, and we're not going to go through them, but the many dozens and dozens of lawsuits that have taken place by Christians who don't want to bake cakes or don't want to provide flowers for homosexual marriages. They will provide certain services to them, but not when it comes to the service of the marriage. And they will also refer them to other places, but that's not what they want. So we've already seen a lot of issues on this because this is a slippery slope that we have fallen down and it's only going to get worse. What it reminds me of is a concept called defining deviancy downward. It reminds me exactly of what Romans 1 talks about, but what happens is it's a spiraling downward and we become desensitized to things that used to really concern us or even horrify us 20 years ago or whatever, something would be considered not acceptable. And now it's not only acceptable, it's championed. People are supposed to celebrate certain things. And so it isn't so much uh, what the word tolerated used to mean, which would mean you could stand something and you wouldn't cause a problem with somebody, but you didn't have to accept it and you didn't have to celebrate it. It's gone clear the other way around. If you're not celebrating something, you can be litigated. As you mentioned, some of those things where they didn't want to celebrate a gay wedding with their creativity, with their cakes or their flowers, suddenly they were litigated because they didn't want to do that. You mentioned Romans 1. That's an important passage that I think we need to read, starting in verse 21. It says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So you see right there, they know who God is, Mm -hmm. but they don't follow him and they follow their heart because it says their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That means instead of giving God glory, they're honoring other gods. In our case, it's sex and other things. In verse 24, it says, therefore, God gave them over to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So the first thing God did when they turned away from God is he turned them over to the lusts of their hearts, their emotions. Verse 26 says the second thing he did God gave them over to degrading passions for the women exchanged a natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. God says right there, penalty. He's turning them over to these degrading passions and lusts once they turn away from him. And the final thing it tells us in verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to their depraved mind and to do things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greediness, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And it goes on and on about the things that they do. Because when people turn away from God, God will then allow them to make their own decisions and he will judge them for the decisions that they choose to make. We need to understand that. We are not without fault when we make decisions personally or in our country to go against God 
And that's what we have chosen to do. Because if you realize God established the family as the first and primary institution, with marriage being that of one man with one woman. We see that in Genesis 2, 23 and 24, when Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Many people say that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, because God created our physical bodies for the perfect act of procreation. He says that in Genesis one twenty eight when it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Well, you cannot fill the earth and subdue it if you have two males married or two females married. It doesn't work that way. If you look at the fact that the world was destroyed by flood at the time of Noah, afterwards, when Noah came through the flood, God said, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. That's God's desire for the husband and wife is to multiply, have children, and have this family union that he created. Paul reiterates that when he says, now concerning the things about which he wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. Now that's talking about lust and immorality, but the idea is you have one wife and one husband. So you've got the Old Testament laying the foundation of the marriage relationship and you have the New Testament in many other places, but here's one talking about the importance of that. Even Colossians 3 verses 18 to 21, God gives specific rules or directions to the wives, the husbands, the fathers, the children. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Wives, be subjected to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Children are to be obedient to the Lord in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. It's interesting, too, that marriage is referred to as a mystery in Scripture, When scripture speaks of marriage, it speaks of marriage between a man and a woman. There is no place in scripture that speaks of any other kind of marriage. It never says man and a man or woman and a woman. It never says that. When we know that God created marriage, when Jesus spoke of marriage, he went back to Genesis and said God created them male and female. And then we also read in scripture how the marriage between a husband and a wife has something to do with the mystery of the church and a description of how it relates to Christ and his church, which is really important and sacred. And I thought maybe we'd want to talk about that a little bit and read that verse. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33 is what you're talking about. There it says, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he, Jesus, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So also... Your husbands ought to love their wives as to their own bodies. 
there's more there to that passage. But the point is that the marriage relationship of one man and one woman represents Christ and the church. So when we distort that marriage or break that marriage, we are distorting Christ and we are distorting his relationship with the church. That's just another avenue of how we have turned away from God and giving people misunderstandings of the truth. Leviticus 18.22 identifies homosexual sin as that. It's an abomination called a detestable sin in God's eyes. 1 Corinthians 6.9 states that homosexuals are unrighteous and will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's not me saying that. That's God calling that act and that perversion, that belief system, as unrighteous. And more importantly, they will not inherit heaven, God's kingdom. And we should care enough about people who have a different view than ours to love them and share the truth of God's word with them. If they don't accept them, that's their personal choice. But maybe they've never heard that God sees this as an abomination, or maybe they've never been confronted with it. Once they know the truth, God's the one who can change their heart and move them in the right direction. Whenever the Bible mentions marriage, as you said, it's between a male and a female. You can look up Matthew 19, four to six, as well as the other passages that we've discussed. So how did we get here? What changed? Certainly the Bible didn't change and the constitution didn't change. So how did we get here? Well, a lot of it is because we're basing our culture on our emotions. People want to do what they want to do rather than following any plumb line. And secondly, our cultural war and progressive agenda against our children's innocence and freedom and parents and human biology, it's gotten to a point where it's no hose barred. The culture just wants to change everything and we're going along with it because we're not standing up. We're turning away from God and his truths. That's the key to all of this. 64% believe moral truth depends on the situation. And 60% believe male and female cohabitation outside of marriage is acceptable. So it's not surprised that we're going in the direction we are now. Israel did the same thing when they turned to other gods. So you can read the Old Testament and see what their consequences were to their sins. And of course, we follow relativism now, which is the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture and society. Historical context, they're not absolute. They can change with anything. And finally, we have humanism. And that means that we are our own gods. Those are just a few reasons why we've gotten to where we've gotten. I think it's really important to know what this law is and to understand the legal ramifications of these changes because we're going to need to contact our senators. This is something that's brought before the Senate already. They're looking for Republicans to cave on this. They might have the numbers that they need. So what are the legal ramifications? What should we be telling our senators? It's only a matter of time before they take this along with other things and try and change our Constitution. That concerns me greatly because right now, by accepting this Respect for Marriage Act, or at least so-called bill, they are taking away our religious freedoms because they will be forcing us to accept things in our businesses, in our churches, in our institutions that we do not agree with biblically. And so we're losing our freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. That means once that starts, it'll just go down that slippery slope to changing the Constitution. We already know that they want to ban guns. 
That's another aspect of our Constitution that they will try and destroy. We have to put our foot down somewhere and say, this is it. We cannot continue anymore going down this progressive liberal direction that will destroy our country. It is already. We're seeing all this gun violence. We're seeing children murdered. We're seeing our government controlling us in ways they were never designed to. We have to stop that. And this is a good place for it to stop. What will happen is if this is codified by the Senate, it will mean that churches can lose their tax-exempt status and ministries like ours can if we read the Bible that says homosexuality is a sin. If we stand on a platform and say that same-sex marriage is an abomination to God, we could lose our tax-exempt status. Now, that doesn't bother me so much because we have a small ministry and most of our donors don't care about the tax-exempt status. They believe in what we're teaching, teaching the truth of the Word of God. But churches have million-dollar budgets, and that could affect a lot of the tithing that comes in there. And not only that, but if they take away their tax-exempt status, they could begin to take away other legal entities that churches have. They could become like China, which forces the church to say what they want them to say and not say anything different. That's really disheartening to me. We were founded on the black robe society of preachers who preached what was going on in our culture and then went out and fought for our government so that we would do the right thing. And yet we could lose that freedom in our churches and our ministries and radio and television and everywhere else and silence us from speaking. Right now, I know a lot of people that will not speak up and say what they believe because they might be overheard. They might lose their job. If they say it on the internet, it'll be spread all over and they might not get a future job. I know teachers that cannot say what they believe about life on any issue because it goes against the direction of what the teachers union believes and what their system teaches. We're already seeing this happen, and it has to stop somewhere. The other thing is that we could be arrested for hate crimes if we speak out against another entity, not maliciously, but just with biblical content, then we could be arrested for a hate crime. Anybody can. If they start doing all of that, one of these days they're going to ban the Bible because the Bible talks about slavery, and slavery certainly doesn't go along with the woke movement. And the Bible talks about all of these sexual sins that we're discussing today. The progressive movement does not agree with that, so they could ban the Bible. We have a lot of legal ramifications, a lot that have already taken place, and a lot more that could that would be much more devastating to the country as a whole, as well as individuals. But the point we need to discuss now is marriage, God's plan for marriage. Every American deserves respect and dignity because we're all created in God's image, but we can't condone sin, even though people choose to live that way. Respecting and acknowledging natural marriage and its benefits to society and to our children is an important principle that we've got to stand on. Marriage has never changed. It's been around for thousands of years. We can't allow some political leaders to change it. Because even though the House of Representatives has approved this bill, the Senate has not. The Senate is leaning in that direction right now. But we have a responsibility to let our representatives know how we feel and to do it in a positive, proper way 
as to how we think they should stand on their morality and on the support of Nebraskans in voting against a same-sex marriage. So I encourage you to contact Senator Sass and Senator Fisher if you're in Nebraska and Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley if you're in Iowa to make your views known and do it soon because their decision to vote on this may come any day now. Be faithful to God and his word no matter what the consequences. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.